0: Why don't we begin? To seven. We hope you enjoy.
1: This is Fresh Hop Cinema.
2: Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast based in Chico, California. My name's Max Minardi. and I'm Johnny Summers.
3: What's happening out there? Welcome to your favorite podcast of any variety including <laughs> Joe Rogan. I'm looking at you Rogan. We've got you beat. Uh, if you want to find us and follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Untapped, we are at Fresh Hop Cinema. Please for the love of God go follow Untapped. I'm spending way too much time on there and I'm pretty funny and entertaining. So go read the things I'm writing on there and cheers that
2: shit. Wait, also uh, Instagram plug. You got to go look at go look at Johnny's sweet new new um, swag and his nice mug which not actual yes. mug. I just got to separate. I guess his face, because that's never on the Instagram, because he's modest, and now it is because I took the picture and I insisted. So yeah, he
3: hacked in. He hacked into I, my Instagram. <laughs> this guy's <laughs>
2: trying to steal my identity. I mean, I won't. I won't say, but I. I didn't even really need to guess at the password. I was like, you know what? It's probably that one password that I think he probably uses for everything. And now, I oh know. no! And now I think I know is all it? your information. Oh no. <laughs> Oh no, I was just sitting there with my phone. I was like, I'm going to try to get into this Instagram. Cause I'm not going to like write this birthday post for you and be like, Hey, can you post this about you? I was like, I have to do it myself. So I'm going to just take a swing at the password and I nailed it. <laughs> so a lot of trust, I guess you have to have for me now or with I'm, me, for me. I'm of me. Gonna, I'm going to, I'm going to have to kill you now. Yeah, I guess so.
3: I have to end you.
2: Uh, where for, else, where else can people find us, man?
3: <laughs> uh, apparently Max can find me anywhere, anywhere in the world uh also on facebook we're at fresh hop cinema pod uh letterboxd at max bernardi and at johnny summers email at fhccast at gmail.com if you're on patreon we instructed you to email us with some some yes. very fun information from our last
2: what was that buzzing noise for the love of god i didn't hear that
3: and it hopefully hopefully nobody else did wow uh, I just felt like vibrating in my ears. Is your phone near your
2: microphone? It's not near enough where you should have heard. Oh, you're not hearing it through the microphone. You're hearing it through the phone. So that actually makes sense. But nobody oh, else will have heard that. Yep. Yep. I'm talking to you on the phone. Yeah. Right. We got it this. Went... Bzz, bzz, yeah. bzz, bzz. It's like, oh, God. Is there it a was actually in my head. It was actually a text message. A uh, friend of the show, Chris Gomez, just texted me. Oh, so, what's up, dog? I'm not going to check it nice. now because I got other st- I got more important stuff to do. And I think he will That's understand right. as a patron of the show. Please
3: silence your phone during the feature film podcast presentation. Put on, put
2: on Do Not Disturb. I don't know why I don't do that more
3: often. I'd say we put that in the show, but then if people silence their phones while they're listening
2: to us, they couldn't hear us. <laughs> That's true. Keep your phones on loud, but don't take calls while you're listening <laughs> right? to us. Airplane mode. Yeah. That'll, uh, that'll also, <laughs>
3: also, freshopcinema.com. Yeah. That is our online home. It's our website. You can find all sort of website-related things there. And Max, tell me about Patreon because I don't have the wind or the energy.
2: Yeah, Patreon is just a way to keep our show going. If you got a few bucks to spare every month or even a dollar to spare and you, you like our show or you think it's brought you any joy even for a couple minutes over the course of any amount of time or you found it now and you're feeling spontaneous, you go to patreon.com slash freshhopcinema, give us a buck or two. We give you access to bonus content. During normal times, we have bar hangs where we get together and, and buy people drinks. We also have movie nights, but granted, again, that's in the scope of normal functioning life. So right now we're sort of augmenting that every now and again with an online bottle share, which I need to talk to you about Johnny, cause we need to have another one of those, but it's a lot of fun. Um, you can check it out there. There's all sorts of more details that I'm not going to uh, go through right now, but if you're interested, patreon.com slash cinema, we appreciate all the support and it's a good group of people. Yeah. It really is. And if you don't want to do that, just give us a rating or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple Podcasts is kind of the big one. That's uh, why we will eventually take over Joe Rogan. And that will be, we'll, you'll see our faces there instead. And you'll be like, yes, I helped make this happen. Mm-hmm. That'll happen. Right. Yep. And we're ahead of the curve, too, because I don't even listen to him. So I already have to a good start or a bad start. I'm not sure which.
3: It's an excellent start, Both. I think. Okay,
2: great. Um, mm-hmm. I think my brain's doing a thing that happens when I am deprived of beer for too long. Uh, which has been at least a couple of days, it feels like. So can we dive into our first one? Yeah, do it. Okay, so um, I picked up beers this week. Hasn't happened in a while, mm-hmm. so I'm very excited. I went to Spike's Bottle Shop here in town for both of our beers today. And one, the first one, is from down in Sacramento from Jack Rabbit Brewing. They've been featured on our show a couple of times. The most recent was a beer called uh, Waffletown Maple Brown. We did that, I would guess, maybe four or five months ago, you think? Uh, Yeah, something like that. Okay, well this is as far as I could tell, I reached out to them, didn't uh, didn't get a hold of them. I kind of gave them just a couple of hours, so not not the best heads up. But I think this is a pretty new beer. It's called Strawberry White Ale. And it's a wheat beer clocking in at 4.3%. And because it's so new and I couldn't talk to them, there's not much on the internet about it. So we're just gonna go off of that information because it's basically all we have, aside from the fact that this particular one was canned on July twentieth, 2020, which as of today makes it uh Eight days old, so one of the fresher beers we've done in a while. Yeah, that's like brand spanking new, bud. This is like off off the delivery truck, probably like today or yesterday. Yep. So, have you tried it? I have. Okay, can I get your initial reactions? I really don't like it. You really don't like it. I really
3: don't like it. Why? It is just there's hmm first of all, there's not much of anything there. Uh, it, it, when the first word of this beer is, is strawberry, I expect to get mm-hmm. some strawberry up front. Uh, and the strawberry is more of like anything like on the, the finish. Okay. But very, but super subtly. Um, yeah, this beer is massively underwhelming. There's like nothing to it. It's barely there mm-hmm. in like mouthfeel and in taste. And I gotta say, I'm not super impressed.
2: Okay, see what I got right away was that it's very much like a blue moon vibe. I think if you do like Blue Moon, this is similarly I feel like underwhelming uh, sounds like an insult, so I'm going to pick a different word. Maybe mellow or easy drinking is maybe what a marketing department would say instead. I I think like it's it's super understated. There it is. That's the word. Um but I agree with you like the strawberry it's not like a strawberry margarita drink or anything. Like it's it's not and we should describe the can because that's obviously lending to the expectation. I think it's and covered in strawberries covered in strawberries right on the strawberries. Vine. It makes for strawberries it makes for a lovely visual experience. And I would extend that experience to when it's in the glass. I think it's, it looks exactly like I expected a, a, a white, a white beer, a, a wheat beer, whatever, whatever language you want to use. Mm-hmm. It looks just like that. And I think it lives up to that as well. I am a little bit underwhelmed by the flavor, but I don't think it's bad.
3: I don't think it's bad. I think it's probably exactly what they were going for. I'm just not super impressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, yeah, it's a basic white ale, just very light wheat beer. Yeah. Uh, if it would have had, uh, dude, do, do you get any strawberry at all? Because the only strawberry I'm picking up is when I pick up the can. Yeah. I see it on the outside. <laughs> nice.
2: Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm picking up some sweetness, and that might just be from the style of the beer. But I, I think in, I don't know, again, like you eat and drink with your eyes first, so... It's impossible to say, like, that's not influencing me a little bit. But if I'm looking for a, sp- a specific sweetness, I-, I would, I think, feel confident enough in saying there's a hint of strawberry.
3: Now, do you think a beer with strawberries literally all over it deserves more than a hint? I do. Yes, I do. And it, So it's the first name in the in – it's the first word in the name. So I'm not and cutting the them much slack. Yeah, yeah and the biggest – I'm not cutting them much slack
2: here. Okay. If I was walking by – the only word you could read quickly in giant letters is strawberry. Can we can we do a quick like brainstorming round of other sort of light beers that have fruit adjuncts? One of my favorite
3: beers, uh, summertime beers
2: of all time, is
3: Rosie's Strawberry Wheat from Six Rivers Brewing Company sure. out of McKinleyville, and it is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that one quite a bit. You were also um, you were also really high
2: on the uh, the grapefruits. Um, what was that? Maybe the grapefruit Lager from yeah. Shiner. Yeah, the Shiner. Uh, I can't remember what it's called right now. Oh, Ruby Summer. Redbird. Ruby Redbird. Ruby Redbird. Yeah, yeah. you like that one. Um, what about like? How do you feel on Heller High? Uh, Heller High Watermelon from Twenty First. It's fine. It, it's it's more accurate to its fruit than this beer. See, definitely. I was, I think they were similar cuz that one's also if you got it, if you ever get it at the brewery or you just little life hack at home, if you serve that one with a garnished watermelon, like I think it accentuates those flavors that are already in it. And Obviously, I feel like yeah. this could this could benefit from that as well, which is not taste, you know. You, so, in a nutshell
3: what you're saying is this will taste like strawberries if you put strawberries in it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess I'm just saying there's other light fruit beers that um don't bother me and sure a little extra fruit to kind of up the ante never hurt anybody hey
3: man i know you bought the beers and you're like trying to stick up for them but you're like trying to get this thing elected you're like (laughs) no i'm not saying
2: (laughs) i mean yeah you know uh
3: i love it that's fine you know you can make a case for this beer
2: yeah i think again like it's i'm not wild about it. i think it's i think it's uh good i think it's good
3: um i also another one that i like since we were just talking about mm-hmm. it, is these the stone tangerine wheat oh i can't actually think of what that tastes like right now i've had that a while ago. it's really nice it's like candied uh tangerine almost mm-hmm. so like super obviously tangeriney and uh, yeah intense Hmm. i think they could have done more with like a lime
2: in this beer well then you're getting like into a, like granted it's a goza but like the sea Quench territory which is so obviously limey
3: but I mean, that this with a lime, more of a lime vibe would have been almost like a Corona with lime, like a very subtle, smooth, mellow beer with just like,
2: just a nice little kiss on the cheek. Oh, of, see, of- I don't know. I like this doesn't have the acidity of something that's citrusy.
1: Mm. That's
2: the same reason, um, yeah, like I, I like wheat beers in general. I Blue Moon actually sort of gets old for me. Not that that's the craftiest of craft beers, obviously, but like th- that sort of biting citrus thing. Doesn't always sit well with uh the burning of the hearts, you know, and this doesn't have that, which is pretty nice. it feels a little bit smoother, and maybe that smoothness is translating to underwhelmingness, which is probably fair, but I don't know I think it's i I like it i i really I really enjoy it, and I think it's good as a beer, I think it's good, and I personally really enjoy it is what I'm trying to say all right, all right, you know if I didn't know
3: that it was supposed to be a strawberry beer, mm-hmm. I would enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Probably three or four points out of ten more. Wow, means you got oh, yeah, dude. quite a bit ahead of
2: headroom.
3: Well, we've talked about your expectations going into a beer and how much they affect your drinking experience. And like me as a an amateur, you know, knucklehead beer critic that uh, you know, I'm not getting paid you know more than a few grand for this review. Of course, so. but uh, it's just expectations are there, man, and when they're not met, it really is like well. This is kind of a bummer now because it's not even close to what it was gonna be in my mind. So yeah, it, it takes yeah. away huge points. For I'm me.
2: so torn on that idea because from like a marketing perspective and a, and a shopper's perspective, I'm like, yeah, well, like I want to buy what I what you're what I think you're selling me, right? Like I want to, my experience should reflect what I've been told it will be. So mm-hmm. very valid. On the other hand, I'm so stoked when I find like a very like a a saison, then I'm like, oh, oh. I hate saisons, and I try it. And apparently, I like I just I guess I like this one. So it goes the other way for me too. So I try to separate like, yeah, the expectations from just pure enjoyment or lack thereof. Well, stylistically,
3: expectations shouldn't be universal because there's so much variance from from mm-hmm. beer to beer, even mm-hmm. within the same brewery. But like a beer either has a fruit in it or it doesn't. To me, it's way more black and white. Like this is this beer is like if you ordered. You know, a strawberry milkshake, and they just
2: brought you vanilla. Yeah. Okay. So you you get no strawberry in this at all, you would say? Like none. Yeah. You know, I'm going to drink. I've only taken maybe like three or four sips, but I'm going to go again and and really see if I'm actually getting any strawberry or if I'm just trying to superimpose the idea of strawberries. Because I think think you might be right. It's
3: just a subtle wheat sweetness. There's no berry in that for me at all.
2: Yeah, you know, I I don't I don't get it too much either. I don't think I get it yeah. at all. I think I don't get it at all either. Wow, that's a that's a tricky thing to do. If I may pat myself on the back, go from thinking you're definitely tasting something to being like, no, I'm not. <laughs> it's hard to get your brain to untrick itself. Yeah, right. But I have a strong brain, I guess. Because I was looking for <laughs> it too, man. Yeah, now, your brain's pretty strong. Thanks, buddy. Well, it's like a your brain's like a lighthouse. Thanks for that. Let's, uh, be- you, you want to give it, wait, what it's beaming and bright oh, Thanks. And full of Willem Defoe. Good. That's, that's the kind <laughs> I, you know, I, I was looking for, we can talk about this in hot and Bother, I guess, but I was looking for a lighthouse to put on my shirt, uh, that I, well, yeah. And I couldn't find the lighthouse from the movie. Mm. And I was like, I'm not just going to put a random lighthouse on my fresh up cinema t-shirt to, to, to immortalize 2019. It has to be either the one or not. I couldn't find it. So I just put Robert Pattinson's face instead. Fair enough, it's not a bad trade off. You should have just put their their poo bucket. I was thinking about putting. uh, I thought about a lot of things actually, especially for the lighthouse. There's so much you could uh, you could put. You put the genitalia of a mermaid if you so chose. I -hmm. chose not to do that because I liked. I live near schools. That kind of stuff of children. That's fair. Can't can't be doing that. Yeah, you're still allowed. You've made it this far. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Hey. So let's just let's just rate this. I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay strawberry white ale once again from jack rabbit brewing oh well yeah rate it and then i'll tell you the info price wise, what you got this beer is uh it's a three three okay 3.3 for you it's six for me really enjoy it it's not exactly what i was expecting so i think regardless i have to dock a point or two for that not a point or two this wasn't maybe an eight but it was if this were like a very solidly strawberry thing i'd probably go seven super enjoyable i think it's tasty i would drink it again that's where i'm at and like I said, I got it at Spike's Bottle Shop. It cost four bucks for a pint can, which I also think is a pretty fair price. So, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. So, moving right along into Flick Picks. I watched a movie this week that, as I was telling you before we started, Johnny, has been sort of all over like my letterbox, kind of, and all over my social media, kind of. It's mostly been like, have you seen this thing? that is right next to a Disney film on my Netflix. It shouldn't be there. It's porn. We got to get it taken down. There's <laughs> like actual petitions being like, this is horrible, whatever. It's a movie called 365 Days. And it is on Netflix. It came out this year. I don't know why I didn't have it pulled up in front of me yet, but I'll pull it up now. Um, and it's just one of those things that I had to dive into because I was there's so much tension around this movie. I kind of want to know what the buzz was about. And just to clarify one more time, you have seen this.
3: Yes, okay. I have. I watched it during quarantine.
2: Okay. That's I th- honestly, man, like so many people have watched this that I think it probably wouldn't have. It's just like, everybody was trapped in is trapped inside. They're like, right, I guess we'll watch this. And it's gained so much traction that it's sort of on like the new and exciting list on Netflix. It's like, check this thing out. But very briefly, it's basically, here's, here's the, here's the deal. Here's the plot. Kind of this rich dude. And his dad own a business together. The dad is offed by the mafia after refusing to um, sell children into the sex trade. Then the son also is shot, but he survives. He tries to, he becomes like the magnate of the company. And the oops, watch this. Right before his dad died, he saw this girl. He was like spying on her with some binoculars. She's by the beach. So then he used like all of his money to find this girl. He kidnaps her and he says to her, you're not getting out of here for a year but you will fall in love with me and if you don't fall in love with me within a year sorry at one year i will let you go and what happens from there is sort of like it's this weird cross between like the most fucked up stockholm syndrome movie you've ever seen and 50 shades of gray mostly without the consent yep uh it's about right it's like it's 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 a it's just weird, man. It's so poorly put together. It makes no sense. I, and I actually think like the the sex stuff is not the worst part of it. I actually think some of those sex scenes are pretty well done, except often feel like they're just being used as an excuse to play like catchy songs and have this guy uh, receive very aggressive oral sex from women and them seem seeming cool about it at the end. It's very mm-hmm. misleading or it's very misled or misguided, I guess. Just the whole thing is bad it's like 2 hours long too which i didn't notice till i was like an hour in um yeah it, it was terrible so i will say once and for all in case anybody's considering watching it just be like let's see what the hype is don't do it it's not good in it's not good at all Mm-mm. it's one of the worst movies i've seen in years it,
3: yeah it's, was, it doesn't
2: come like there's no redemption for
1: anything
3: no it was like the whole point was really just to have like light bondage and just terrible yeah like you said the sex scenes were like not the worst part but they were yeah. bad
2: I like a thing is i think they're more graphic than you might expect from the 50 shades of gray and i mm-hmm. think that leads people to be like this is so terrible i want to be clear that's not why i'm saying it's terrible uh it's terrible for all the other reasons and also the emotional stuff around the sex scenes is is so problematic and weird and it's just bad it's so bad <laughs> all the yeah way and they'll and a lot of the beginning was very rapey. The whole, it's like, it's it's definitely all rapey, but especially at the beginning, you're so right. Like at one point, so he, he he kidnaps her, takes her to his like one of six castles, I guess. And like everybody, by the way, in his staff or his family, like they're all cool with this. They're like, hey, you better listen to him. He's, I don't, he's, I don't know what he'll do, but he'll do something, it's clear. And at one point he's like, he gets like right up in her face. He's like, I'm not gonna do anything to you. Until you let me. And then like he'll like go on to fondle her and like get naked and like and like lots of shitty stuff that you would go to jail for in real life. And it's under this guise of like, well, she hasn't told him no, I guess, but she has, but he's rich. I don't get it. I don't get any of it. And I also yeah. don't get this like we can talk about rape fantasy all day. And whether or not it's healthy or not, but I, at the very least, in this context, I don't think it's good. Yeah. So?
3: I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. Yeah.
2: Big time. It's a, tra- it's a trash movie. Yeah. It really is. And it's extra confounding because I just don't understand. Granted, nobody – I haven't read reviews where it's like, this is amazing. Everybody has basically just been like, all right, this sucks. Yeah. But maybe I'm part of the problem. I kept watching it. Yeah, I don't know if you're part
3: of the problem, but I just—I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to petition it. I think yeah. everyone's getting a bit worked up, but also uh, maybe petition it because it's a bad movie.
2: Yeah, I'm reading um, a little little trivia here on IMDb, and I feel like this says a lot about sort of the priorities of the people making the movie says the filmmakers went to great lengths to make the sex scenes authentic. The filmmakers <laughs> to to what? wanted the audience to hear the whispers and heavy breath of the actors and to see their sweat and passion. Which like is that's kind of the goal of like every sex scene. But they're almost it seems like they're trying to justify like. I, like a lack of any other motivation for these intense scenes other than like we want to show you sex. Yeah. So I I don't know. Uh, It's yeah. (laughs) It's 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 like they were they just wanted to make a porn, but
3: their parents said that they had to make it educational or like, you know what I mean? Like just
2: just go just you can make your go do that. That's fine. Yeah, save yourself a few million dollars on drone shots of the ocean. Yeah, and you can probably find better storylines in porn and better actors. Quite frankly, exactly. Nobody even delivered a pizza in this movie. And every time this dude is the character's name is Massimo, but the actor's name. Is uh, Michelle Marone, and every time he said "baby girl," I wanted to throw up. Is so gross <laughs> and rapey, and, and like I get it, like great bod. They both they're like very attractive people, and that's it. But even with that, it's like ugh, just every everything. The dialogue was ugh, ugh, yeah. It was so, a cringe. So it was bad. a cringe fest from front to back. Yeah, super it was real cringe bad, fest. Real bad. Real bad. I saw somebody's review win. on, on Letterboxd. Somebody wrote a review saying, um, if somebody had walked in while I was watching this, I would have had to flip it to porn. Cause it would have been easier to explain, <laughs> which like, it makes so much sense. It's like, what is this? Is it? porn? No, it's not. It's like somewhere in between kind of, it's a bad movie. That's porn adjacent. Yeah. It's, it's a bad movie, which of, of which who's it's a bad movie. Whose best qualities are the things that are most like, porn. I guess. Yeah, did, it I say, did I say best qualities or worst qualities? Best. Yeah, good.
3: Yeah, yeah. it was a very confusing movie. I remember putting it on, and I was like, what is happening? Why did you put it on? Uh, it was just, I was out of movies to watch. That was in that weird time where, like, everything had just gotten shut down, and, like, I yeah, was right. caught up on every movie list and every streaming site. I was, like, literally caught up. Just watched everything.
2: Did you finish your AMC's top 100 best American films of all time? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. But it is one of those things where like it, it popped up. It was like, here's a new movie. Yeah. It was like, all right, I guess. Yeah. The
3: fact that it's on Netflix is hilarious.
2: I don't like Netflix has some some risque stuff. This is not the most edgy thing as far as sexuality or nudity is concerned on Netflix by a long shot. Really? Yeah.
3: Yeah, well, I know like the color blue is on there. I think you're thinking of Uh,
2: blue is the warmest color
3: for sure. That, yeah, yeah,
2: that's a that's I mean, uh, like much more. It's a good movie, it's a good movie. It's it's made with a purpose, and characters are there for they make decisions for logical reasons or at the very least, passionate reasons. Yeah, and it's this is it's just I don't even know. I keep wanting to call it like something porn, like but then I'm just like maybe it just sounds like porn. It's you know, like torture porn or there's types of porn, you know. This yeah, is some like, kind that I've never encountered before. This is like fake porn. It's porn. like lazy porn. It's like, it's like, it's like, I don't know what it's like. I'm going to think of a word for this and I'll put it in my review. All right. On Letterboxd. So follow us on Letterboxd. That's all I want to talk about uh, this movie for. That's the length of time I wanted to spend on this. Actually, that was more, but here we were.
3: Fair enough. Do you have a flick pick or anything? I do not. I've been real busy all weekend. Didn't have time to watch any movies.
2: Word. Okay. Then I suggest we jump into our movie this week and maybe play a trailer for Relic. What do you think? Play that trailer. I'm ready to get into this.
1: When was the last time you spoke to her? It's been a few weeks. Gran? Mom? Mom? She called me a few weeks ago. I think she was scared. She thought someone was coming into the house. where you were, Mum? I suppose I went out. What's this? I was on the property when your grandfather inherited it. His mind wasn't there in the end. You can't put Gran in a home. She can't live on her own anymore. She has to be watched. Everything all right, Gran? I thought this was where it got in. Who? Whoever it was coming into the house. Mum, what is it? It's here, under the bed. There's nothing under the bed, Mum. Will you check for me? I'm here to help you, Mum. I can see you.
2: was A trailer, like I said, for Relic. If you haven't heard the show before, we're not going to spoil this movie yet, we don't spoil it till later on in what we call the danger zone. Uh, so we're just going to talk about it kind of generally. But, Johnny, would you give me kind of a, a basic synopsis of this movie?
3: Yeah, so essentially, uh, Edna, an elderly, widowed, like matriarch, kind of grandma type person, is that a matriarch? Matriarch, I thought matriarch meant mom, it means anyway. sort of like
2: the head of the female head of a family,
3: yeah, the eldest female, yeah. Uh, so she goes missing. So her daughter and granddaughter, mm-hmm. uh, Kay and Sam, respectively, uh, travel to their her home to find her. Uh, eventually, they start to discover a sinister, creepy, let's say, presence, and the house is haunted, and something is taking control of Edna. Dun dun dun! Yeah,
2: so she they they're there because like they've been called. And somebody's like, hey, we haven't seen your mom in a few days. Like, can you come check on her? She's gone. They're hanging out. And right when they're like kind of getting her affairs in order, she's like, she's gone. She's probably dead. She shows up again. And then she's acting very strange. And the house is acting strange. And people are seeing stuff. So it's very much presented as like a haunted house movie. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's directed by this gal, Natalie Erica James. This is her first feature film. She wrote the screenplay in conjunction with a guy named Christian White. Uh, fun fact: Here, it was produced by Jake Gyllenhaal and Riva Marker, and executive produced, aka sometimes bankrolled, by the Russo brothers, who did a lot of the uh, Avenger movies. And they have these—they have their own sort of production studios, and they combine their forces to put this movie out. Uh, okay. It stars Emily Mortimer as Kay, Bella Heathcote plays her daughter Sam, and the matriarch is Robin Nevin, who I think is great in this. Originally, this premiered at Sundance and back in January, and it was released to video on demand on July third. And it runs a tight 89 minutes, which I thought was a very, very solid runtime for this movie.
3: Yeah, I was very pleased with the runtime. Yeah. Was super into it.
2: Yeah. So, so last week on the show, this was a movie that I had watched and I was going to use it as a flick pick, but instead, Johnny seemed interested and we decided to just make it a full feature this week. So, I prepped it last week with a lot of high praise. I was very excited to talk about it with you. I was excited for you to watch it. Um, and I think you were just excited to watch it as well because you're a big fan of horror. Uh, what was your experience like? Did you did you enjoy it?
3: Uh, yeah, so I watched it last night at home, uh, probably a little bit later than I should have, mm-hmm. but yeah, really wanted to watch it. Was super excited. Finally got the chance to sit down, and I tell you what, I was very in the dark as to even what this movie was about. Mm-hmm. I didn't read a synopsis. Yeah, uh, I just went with what I heard from you and said let's let's dive in, let's let it rip. And dude, this movie knocked my socks off. This is probably one of the best horror suspense movies that I've seen in the last like yes. five years. Uh, so, it's, it's like problematically yeah. good.
2: So I'm having a moment. I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm just so excited every now and again, there's a movie that you and I will agree on that. I'm that, that like, I've seen first and I already know my feelings and I'm waiting to hear yours in like sweaty anticipation <laughs> just in case you don't agree with me. Cause I think it'll be this like fundamental crossroads that I have to like a La La Land situation. Where I like I can't figure out why you don't like it, and it just it'll keep me up at night. Like the last time this happened was Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and I was like, Oh god, I hope he likes it. And you loved it. <laughs> and you like this movie. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's all I want to say. Oh, that's it. that's I just it? had to that jump in little-
3: to let you know how happy I was that you liked it.
2: All right.
3: <laughs> I'm happy too. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. This would have sucked to disagree on it.
2: Yeah. But it also No, made, I thought you
3: know. it was I thought it was fantastic. I was uh enraptured immediately by the overall aesthetic the cinematography the color palette the the tone in which it's filmed is tremendous i mean this movie carries weight and it carries a feeling and it carries this distinct heaviness when you're watching it that reminded me of watching some of my first scary movies as a kid where like uh, this was one of those movies where I didn't want to watch with my feet on the ground. Yeah, just in case somebody's going to grab your feet. And I haven't had that experience in a really long time. Yeah. So uh, I was absolutely blown away. I mean, visually, it was pretty damn impressive to look at. Um, just there was a lot about it that, you know, it was really, really enrapturing to watch. I mean, mm. the old house and the... the so There was some visual effects, but mainly yeah. it was just this this overall sense of impending doom and mm-hmm, this
1: mm-hmm.
3: M- intense like pressure on your whole body, like watching it. It was amazing. I loved it.
2: Yeah. I, so Emily Mortimer, if you don't know her, she, well, I'm a big fan of her from the newsroom. We had she, lunch last week. Sure. Perfect. Yeah. Her. Yeah. You know, her. Um, but the reason I, I texted you the other day, Johnny, about when last time you saw shutter <laughs> Island was because she was also in shutter Island. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, and I'm, I, I mean, those are the two big ones for me. I love Shutter Island. And you when know, I, we disagree. is she on that the one but. that, is she the one that drowned the kids in Shutter Island? No. Spoiler I think alert. Of, I think you're thinking of inception. No, you're thinking, <laughs> okay. Shutter Island spoilers. Yeah. It's t- t- 10 years old at this point. He's the one that drowned the kids in that movie. He, um, was, he was like, he had a psychotic break because he convinced himself that his wife had done it. But I think if I have this right, he actually also killed his wife. But Emily Mortimer that right. in that movie is actually, um, she's a Rachel well, number one. Yeah, he's the She's the prisoner that quote unquote escapes. Mm. Um, she's she's so good in that movie as being sort of this, um, definitely paranoid, uh, haunted figure, and it translates so well into her performance here because there is sort of something off about because you get the vibe early on that she hasn't talked to her there's this great interview between her and this police officer where he's like you know like when's the last time you talked to your mom and she's kind of skirting around she's like yeah it's you know it's been a while but my life's been busy or whatever and it's clear like they have a kind of distant relationship Mm -hmm. and the moment she goes back into that house for me at least it was like something's up like she knows something that we don't um and and then that just adds to this whole sort of environment that you're talking about the ambiance of like Creepiness and just something being not quite right. Yeah, it's so good, hundred percent. Yeah this
3: this movie was so engaging. Uh, I got up once like to make popcorn and grab a white claw, mm. but then I was, uh yeah. Me and Shalina watched it, and I don't think we said like one word until the movie was over. Yeah, it was just that like. Boom! You're in this. This it's like you know when those when certain movies you don't watch them they just kind of happen to you
2: and then it's a, and then you're just like it, it you're part. of I know exactly what you mean
3: yeah yeah totally. like this movie just happened to me and like I was just sitting there it was just yeah yeah hundred percent will be in my top ten it's got to be yeah it's, it's so be. good
2: and then um, and then you double back and if you're looking at the notes like me I'm like I, I want am I right when I said it's her first feature film and I know that I am but it's like what a what a first swing what a home run right off the bat. Yeah, that's I guess, crazy. Pun intended. Um, yeah, I mean, so there's basically a cast of three people. There's there's some other auxiliary characters that we can maybe get into later. Also say that it's it's kind of tough to talk about this movie in any depth without spoiling some pretty major things. So I'm going to imagine that the rest of this segment might be relatively brief, but mm-hmm. but before we even consider cutting, um Robin Nevin, who played Edna, and Bella Heathcote, who also I had not seen in anything, who who stuck out to you as maybe like the, the strongest performance? Or also oh. or Emily Mortimer, out of, out of any of the three. Out of any
3: of the three, yeah. oof. I think uh Emily Mortimer probably had the most complexity. Um, but I really liked like the nuance of of the the sister.
0: Or the, the daughter, daughter yeah. I should say.
3: Yeah. Um Bella Heathcote. What a yeah. cool name. What a great name, yeah. Yeah, it's a great name. Um I liked her. I think I mean they all three of those women, like oh, like how would you pick who was like the lead in that yeah it's, for sure it was it was probably between emily mortimer and, and bella heathcote see i actually but,
2: would make a case for it being well it depends how you define lead but i think the story would be primarily about robin nevin's character edna the grandma yeah and and when you i mean granted like now that you and i know what the movie's about like when you think about some of those scenes that she has um, moments where she's like very clear about what she wants. And then there's moments where she seems very haunted and scared and, and sporadic. And the way that she plays between those two sorts of um, mentalities is, is really impressive to me. Yep. Like she juggles that kind of, yeah, it's like a perfect haunted house story. She does it so well. Mm-hmm. Cause I think the key is, especially with a grandparent figure, you want like inherently to feel safe around them and you, and you want to trust them. And there's moments where she's talking to Sam, Bella Heathcote's character, and you're like, okay, like maybe all of this distance that I was picking up between uh, Kay and Edna was just something different because Edna's totally normal and when she's around Sam, she's fine, but then moments she'll like flip on a dime and you're like, something's, no, this is bad. This yeah, bad. and just it's the like, look oh. in her eyes, dude. The I know. It's, the look, oh, yeah. it's so good. It's I think I kind of think of Ian McKellen, Sir Ian McKellen, as sort of the uh, epitome of some somebody who can act with just their eyes or their eyebrows, mm-hmm. like so expressive and and she is now up there for me she is this it's perfect it's a great performance i think
3: yeah i agree
2: can we talk without um giving anything away like sort of like the dream sequence stuff that happens
3: yeah i think at the same time
2: some of like the most effective scary stuff but also the most ambiguous and potentially problematic stuff for me in terms of piecing together what it might have meant
3: see i think that they were helpful in piecing it together okay um but i can't say why i know yeah,
2: yeah right um yeah man i there's there's this great parallel that goes on between sort of like the way the house is is sort of consuming itself and consuming the people in it i think that's fair to say like visually there's a visual effect that gets used on both like i'll say the walls and skin at times and it's so like i'm i'm almost getting goosebumps thinking about it cuz it's so it's like it's like horrible violation of like the human envelope And it reminds you of like rot and just horrible. It's so effective and a pretty cheap effect in terms of, I I would guess, financially. Yeah. Like it's not the most obvious like giant explosion or anything like that. It's just this sort of seeping feeling. Yeah. Just icky. It's just so icky. Yeah. 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 Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. I don't really know what else to say as far as plot or anything because – the plot was fairly straightforward it was the execution that really elevated this movie yeah. so i would say overall it was just it was way 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 more of everything than i thought it was going to be yeah and it just it hits so perfect i think this is a solid candidate for my favorite movie of the year so far
2: i think you're probably right oh f- so far for sure yeah
3: yeah it might it's like either, it It's it one or there. two
2: yeah it's 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 I strong just, enough where it might I, was, I thought you were saying like, could be your number one, no matter what else comes out this year.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's possible. Even as of right now, it's, it's tough for me to pick between this and never Rarely sometimes always great one. Yeah. Like those yeah. are my two favorite movies of the year so far easily.
2: Hey, what's cool. And we've said this about horror before. I think horror at its best is when it's sort of explaining something about real life and doing it in a way that, um, maybe magnifies in this case, the fear of or, or the doubt surrounding that issue. On, on that note, I guess I would say, too, like we've already given you more information about this movie than definitely Johnny had going in, and, and more than I had, too. But I do think the, the less you know and, by proxy, the less you expect from this movie, the better off you're going to be. Mm-hmm. I, it's not a movie you want to try to predict. Exactly. Or at least don't yeah. kind of hit your carriage to your horse of prediction in this one.
3: Exactly. Yeah, I think for sure this is a movie that the less you know going in, the better. Yeah, agreed.
2: Um, okay. I think I'm good on that if you are.
3: Yeah, I am too. That means we have to rate it now though. And I have to fucking
2: think of a reason why it's not a 10. Yeah. Yeah. Um, while you're thinking about that, I'll say one more time. So it's, it's called relic. I watched it, I believe on Amazon prime. It's, it's available to rent for like, I think six or $7. Um, it's obviously well worth, well worth the buy. We'd of course love to hear your thoughts. If you guys get a chance to watch it, let us know what you think. Um, And I think that I'm going to come around to my rating, which is not a 10, but it's a very, very strong nine. And I think that I will also be able to elaborate a little bit more once we get to the danger zone and I can spoil a couple things. But for Mm -hmm. me, Relic is a very strong nine. I was so stoked that you liked it. I'm glad we got to do it on the show.
3: Yeah, me too. Uh, I also, this is hard, Mm. not giving it a 10.
2: Okay, fair enough.
3: It's, but this movie's, Hmm. It feels... It's a
2: 9.7. Oh, yeah. I forgot you did the decimals. Yeah, 9.7. Okay. Yeah. It's a 9.7. Sweet. That's an incredible... It's a frustratingly high rating, I would say. <laughs> well, I, feel, I yeah, mean, this enough. is
3: this is going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. Yeah. Um, it didn't have the emotional impact as a Midsommar, but it did mm. reinvoke a lot of the same feelings of just general discomfort, mm. which I want in a horror movie, so... It would be very on brand for me to say this is my favorite movie of the year. So put a pin in that. All right. And I mean, dude, I'm just saying my 2019 and 2020 Midsommar and Relic back to back are two solid picks for movies of the year. So Uh, and who knows if we're going to get any more blockbusters or the
2: big budget in your releases this year. This
3: this has a shot at making it to the
2: finals. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Well, when we come back from our break, we're going to dive into our second beer of the day. It's a beer from Canada. Then we're going to get into Hot and Bothered. And then I'm going to make a case for why Relic uh, was even more emotionally strong because it left me sobbing at the end. And we will be right back after that. Johnny Summers, this may not surprise you, and it probably doesn't surprise any listeners, but yesterday it was a hot day and I took my bike right down to the handlebar for an ice cold, actually, a Abraxas... 11% stout. So I let it warm up, but it was a great deal. Cause I got a dollar off. Cause I went and sat on the patio at the handlebar and just had a great, had a great time with my beer. Got a dollar off. Like I said, if you haven't been to the handlebar before dear listener, they're located at 2070 East 20th street. Again, that's the handlebar here in Chico. They've been a long time supporter of the show. We're big fans of their food and their drinks. And if you don't already know, they do have an amazing patio where you can go and you can sit a safe distance from the other strangers that are enjoying their day just as much as you. So go check out the handlebar, 2070 East 20th street. Welcome back from what was for us a break for you was maybe 30 seconds. We're going to now drink a second beer again, one that I have provided. It's a big day for me because I, again, don't get to do this all that often. But like I said at the beginning of the show, this is a beer that I picked up at Spike's Bottle Shop, which made its way down to Northern California all the way from Quebec, Canada. They speak very much French out there, and this beer is also a French name, which is pronounced thusly. It's called Ta Milieu. I hope that's close. Uh, I'm sure we'll get some clarification on that in a little bit here. But it's made by Laga Beer, and they say this. Lagabeer's flagship product, this delicious New England or Northeast India pale ale, has an opaque appearance that is typical of the style. The nose reveals an explosive bouquet of hops reminiscent of citrus and tropical fruit, giving the impression of a fruit juice. In the mouth, a slight bitterness as well as intense flavors of fruity hops conceal its relatively high alcohol content. ta has become the point of reference for New England IPAs in Quebec. So, we've never had anything from this brewery. I'm super excited. I saw the can. I was like, what's this? I'm going to grab it. It's a steal for the price. So let's see how it goes. Johnny, have you poured it yet? Have you? Well, no. Why not? Because I was waiting for you to do it so that when you were talking, (laughs) I could step away from the mic and pour it to not make any noise. That's smart. I don't know how loud I pour beers. I'm worried about it. I've
3: never heard you pour a beer once. That's a weird thing
2: to be insecure about. Oh, yeah. Are you sure? So I've poured mine. I still somehow don't know if you've poured yours. I have poured mine. Okay, good. So, I mean, I'd say just based on my glass, it's a pretty straightforward looking New England IPA. Yeah. Mine's got, I mean, I poured it pretty aggressively, but like a really nice head on it. It's a very clear, or not clear, but a white head. (laughs) Sorry about that one. Just a good looking head with a solid body of a beer. How does it taste? This beer is fantastic.
3: I am immediately impressed by the mouthfeel. It is very coating, very thick, heavy on the palate which is surprising for as light and as refreshing as it looks. You get a ton of feel on this thing. It's like it is bodied up. It is thicker than a Snickers. Yeah. You even said that in melted a while. into a puddle.
2: Yeah. This is actually on any other any other normal podcast day this would be the freshest beer we have, but because we got so lucky with that Jackrabbit, this one is actually a whole month old.
3: I will take the month old. Dude, yeah, I tab- mean
2: I've told you before that I, I think you have a more sensitive palate when it comes to the um, sort of the over aged hop thing. Like, cause I can't, mm-hmm. I can tell within about a month, like I'm like, if it's over a month between like one and three months, I'm like, this is old. But within the first month, if it's like a week or four weeks, I don't know. It all tastes super fresh to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm like you I'm very much about this beer. It's a very solid representation of the style, which I think says even more because it's, it's not as prevalent in Canada as it is, obviously, certainly on the east coast of America, but even on the west coast at this point. It's not, you said? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. But, I mean, at least based on the way that they describe this, this is kind of the benchmark now for, for what it seems like up in those parts. Which is okay. great. And yeah, now, representation. Quebec is on the east coast? Yes, Quebec is, is, is northeastern Canada. It, okay. it shares a border with some of those states, so that makes makes total sense.
3: Some of the most notorious beer states in the
2: known world. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, like Vermont is a huge one. Yeah, that's the home of the one and only House of Trees. Are you sure it's in Vermont, or are you thinking of the Alchemist by chance?
3: I'm probably thinking of the Alchemist, which
2: it's, is another like amazing New England. I think I, I'm pretty sure Treehouse is in Massachusetts or Maine. Massachusetts or Maine? Uh, it's Charlton, Mass. Yeah, yeah, Massachusetts. Yeah. Okay. So right. then I think Vermont is is, um, is the alchemist, then. Yes. Get your heady topper. Exactly. The point is a lot of those states crammed into the upper sort of reach of the, the Northeast United States. Lots of, as you might expect, delicious Northeast New England IPAs.
3: They should call this a Northeast, uh, North American East IPA because they're in the, the Northeast Canadian. Of, Amer- of North America. Oh, I see. What
2: you're saying not north, like the, the Yeah, yeah, I got you. Like oh. they
3: are the. Mo- the okay, I'm going to make the argument. This sure. is in fact a more northeast beer than our northeast beer. <laughs> that's true because it's in fact further north geographically and perhaps further
2: east, if not stylistically. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe this is what we should be modeling our beer after. So Quebec has know. the ha- now has the has sort of the top echelon of what we should strive for. That's probably true. They're interna- they're, they're international champs. I've said it. Done. Great. I mean, it's and just to bring it back around, I think this beer definitely emu- or emulates that. Uh, you know, makes a good case for it. Exactly. It's impressive. It's very
3: impressive. I was very pleased. Uh, it's like I said, it's heavy up front, but it's actually super drinkable, and it is not the juice bomb that it smells like. Mm-hmm. You actually get a ton of hot bitterness, and it's it strikes a nice balance between the bitterness and the drinkability. And the heaviness and the the actual it's heavy, but it's like also kind of light. Mm-hmm. It's hard to describe, but it's it's a very excuse me, burpee, very unique drinking experience. I don't know if I've ever had a beer front to back that had this range of emotions being oh, wow. stirred in oh, my wow. mouth heart.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say what you're describing is kind of what I hope for when I get a new England IPA, which is that you do have sort of this really sweet, almost juice bomb kind of aroma. And then when you drink it, it kind of levels out into a hoppy experience with, with obviously not like a West coast IPA, but, but hops should be there. Sweetness should be there and it should feel or it should drink like a beer, you know, like a, like Mm -hmm. a big beer. And, and like, again, it's like 7% and it feels like it could be a little bit more, which is a really great touch because it doesn't feel too boozy. It just feels, um, uh, thick, but not, not viscous. It just feels present. Yeah, I really like it. It does
3: feel present. It's 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 a really well-balanced, well-made beer. Yeah. I think this is this is absolutely world-class, and I can say that because this isn't just from America. Now, I always say this beer is world-class, but how many beers from other countries outside of America do we usually have to compare it to? In this style, the answer is not very many. So
2: That's true, but I'm not a lot of other countries this do beer. this style. Exactly. Name, name two. I, I, I dare can't. you. Well, actually, it, can I count this one? <laughs> No. Well, so we did actually, I had two in Norway. So the one that I brought back for the show. Name them. I can name them right now. One was from a brewery called a and it was called uh, um, Ink and Dagger. And the other one was from Servicium and I've gotten farther than I thought I was going to. I don't remember the Servicium one, but I take your point. There's not a whole lot of these around. And and actually, Mm -hmm. if anything, me saying that lends even more to your point, which is that this is world-class and we've tried New England IPAs from at least three countries at this point. Yeah, good point
3: absolutely well we should we should make a point to try and get some more international beers if we can i think that would be fun that'd be great yeah
2: yeah i'm into it um so any other things you want to touch on this specifically or do you just want to rate it
3: uh i think if this is available locally for as fresh as it is as it is Mm -hmm. uh it's absolutely worth going and picking up i would say grab grab a can of this and get it in you and Enjoy it as quickly as possible. Because if you like this style or beers adjacent yeah. to it, you're gonna be very pleased with this beer. So uh get ta milieu in in
2: yeah. I'm hoping it, we're saying we're not so we uh, might be, but we're not saying it as well as somebody who speaks French would speak it. Um so just to to be clear, it's spelled T A M E I L L E U R E against my, It's from Laga Beer out of out of Canada, Canada. Um, And like I said, it was a Spikes for – I'm going to say this now because I feel like we are both going to be pretty high on this. And at this point, the price isn't going to affect my judgment. But it was a $5 pint can, so just get it, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's Um, a win. So let's go go ratings out of 10. Johnny, what you got? Oh, shoot.
3: The old question, man. If I give it a real high rating, I have to ask myself why it's not a 10.
2: Yeah.
3: And that's tough. Uh, I'm going to need to take another sip.
2: Fair enough. Uh, while you're doing that, I think that I am going to, I, I'm, cause we do that kind of the same way. I don't, there's nothing jumping out to me as like, this isn't, this is a flavor. I don't like this is something about the feel that I don't like. It's, there's nothing about this. That's putting me off at all. The one thing that I could harp on is that I think unlike you, this isn't the most, um, m- maybe unique experience. I would say it's, it's a super solid new England IPA, but there's nothing in the hot profile or, or, maybe flavors in general that I'm like, I've never had this before in my life. So I think for that reason, it's not going to be a 10 for me, but it's, it's a 9.5. It's really, really good.
3: One of the, it's one of the best like, ones I've had in,
2: in, in a long time. I was thinking like 9.1. 9.1. Okay. It's a, that's a great, great, great ratings from both of us. Um, I am going to go ahead. If you don't mind, Johnny, if I uh, kick you out of people's ears for just a moment, I would love to play. I got, I got the chance to talk with their sales manager, Maxime plant. And we talked about sort of the inspiration of this beer and uh, what it's like making beer during a pandemic and how their market is in America and all sorts of fun stuff. So, Johnny Summers, with your permission, I would love to play that conversation. Make it go. So we sat down yesterday to, to drink the beer. Could you tell me, by the way, how to pronounce that beer properly?
0: Yeah, basically it's Tameyar. Oh, Tamayar. Tameyar, yeah. Got it. Well, we said
2: it wrong every time. But um, How did you say it? I think we we went with uh, Tameyur. The mayor, okay. <laughs> so I mean, we gave it a shot, but it was yeah, no, that's fine, man. Yeah, <laughs> I get that a lot. Uh, but
0: anyway, yeah, no, that's a good try, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. um But no, we were we were really pleased with it. It was we, we haven't had a beer, uh, obviously from you guys or or from Canada ever on the show, um so it was super okay, exciting. Yeah,
0: nice. yeah, it is. Yeah, that, that, that's amazing. And, and since we just uh, got uh, launched to see the,
2: the market, that's amazing. Oh yeah, I, I was going to say. So when did you start distributing down to down to the states?
0: Basically, that was our first uh, delivery. Basically, we did uh, the export in June, so that's our first uh, our our first entry over in the
2: market. That's great. Yeah, I mean, we had a can. I think it was it was brewed. I mean, within like a month. I think it was a month old. It was super fresh and super delicious, and uh, we're just so surprised because we've we've done beers. I think the only other country was maybe Norway um, because I went there to travel and I brought some home, but it's pretty rare to find something that fresh from out of the country. Uh, so we were, we were stoked to have
0: it. Yeah, no, that, that, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. We, we try to boot mo, the most, uh, stable deal around the shelves. Yeah. Uh, that's something that really, really is important for us. Uh, we don't have the same, um, market as you, uh, over in the U S side. I know that you guys are more of a, uh, so get your beer directly at the brewery. Yeah, sure. Here it's uh, it's a little different here, so we basically uh, evolve the, the brewing technique here uh, according over to be able to be stable on the shelves. So that's something that's really important for us. And uh, yeah, basically it stands uh, it stands a lot. Basically here in uh, Quebec, we can uh, have a beer stable for up to six months without uh, really being hurt by the time. So we were pretty good for it.
2: Could you tell me a little bit about how when you guys got started brewing, and was it just you at the beginning, or or how did how did it all get started?
0: Well, basically, at first, I just have to say uh, I'm not one of the owner. Basically, I'm uh, I'm in charge of the cells, but I grew up with the guys, so basically, I was there before the start. Uh, So basically, the brothers started brewing over back in two thousand eight, and they started in their parents' garage. Uh, they were looking <laughs> for a cheap way to get uh, access to beer, and they were pretty curious about uh, all the, the process and growing uh, the beer. So, uh, like a lot of uh, professionals, they started over that uh, just for fun for the beginning, but uh, they like to play with the ingredients and, and basically test some uh, techniques over and over again. And and soon enough, the the brewing was way more than the drinking, so they had to give over uh, some beers to everyone, and everyone was enjoying it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what, what can you say when you get free beer? Eh? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think
2: that's that's how so many craft breweries start is that people just want to drink beer, and then they make enough for their friends, and their friends are like, "Well, we like this. Can we get more?"
0: And yeah, then, yeah, and have uh, a yeah, basically four years. Uh, from the start that they started the brew, they opened up the brew pub, and uh, the uh, they, since the beginning of the the opening of the brew pub, they just uh, the men just fired up, and uh, that was not enough, so they uh, opened up uh, a bigger brewery over in the industrial part of the town, and uh, it's been four years now on that eight thousand square feet. Uh, um, place and it, it's already too small. So we're we're in the process of building up uh a new place. So uh yeah, this, this is uh, this is amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah, do you guys do you distribute pretty much all throughout Canada as well?
0: Yeah, basically well, not Canada. I, I must have to say that uh, the laws between the provinces are uh, quite different than uh well, I I don't know all the laws sure. in uh, all the states. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a little more complicated than just uh, traveling over and just selling beer. But, uh, no, basically we just do our distribution over in Quebec, which uh, we do our own distribution for about 90% of, our, of what we sold. Wow. So, uh, so yeah, no, we're, we're pretty much... We got a big setup and we, uh, yeah, we're yeah we ready for it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> Bring that's, it on. Yeah,
2: that's fantastic. Um, I was going to say, too, like the, the legality of 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 crossing borders is is obviously a huge thing. And with regards to like where you where do you get your, your hops and your malts and um just all of your supplies, does that all come from Quebec or do you do you outsource maybe into uh into the states at all?
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. Basically at uh, Quebec we do have some uh small uh, suppliers that maybe are able to help us on the brew pub side uh to get more specialized uh, grains or ops that we're growing here. But uh, most of our grains come from a uh, Canadian maltree over in the west, um, and the hops that we use basically comes from Yakima. So uh, we do, yeah, we do have some contracts over with Yakima hops, and we basically just did a beer a while back, a couple months back, um, testing some new hops for them. But uh, yeah, most most of our hops are coming from uh, from Yakima.
2: Sure, I was going to ask too. I mean, you guys are so close to. Like when we're talking about New England IPAs, the the name that comes to mind as as one of the first, the pioneers of the New England IPA style is obviously the Alchemist down in Vermont, and you guys are like a two hour drive from them. And I was I was just kind of curious if if that brewery or or what breweries in the area might have played into the inspiration for uh, your brewing techniques and the, the style of beers you guys make. Yeah,
0: yeah, but well, back then before the uh, before the style went. Uh, um, Really, a a hype here in Quebec, because we're we're kind of behind you guys Mm. um, on on what's the trend here. Right. So before it got big here, it it was big over on your side. So and 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 beer enthusiastic people were already knowing over uh, from Eddie Topper. So we had some, uh, of course, we had some interest in uh, what they are doing. And uh, yeah, that that did uh, help us over in uh, uh, elaborating the beer. That is now known as Tameyar. Yeah. And uh they they we we had a couple already uh, a couple beers that we were brewing that we just adapted over to the style and uh basically that, that's how uh Tameyar was born. <laughs> yeah, our, by the
2: way, uh Tamear means uh your best, right? In English? Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Where did that name come from?
0: Uh basically the thing was uh, in the festival when we first started uh a lot of people that we that didn't know about the brewery uh anything just asked for oh give me your best beer. <laughs> so oh, that's uh, in, in French would have been like uh, give me a uh, the mote M A R. Yeah. M A R which is pretty much uh <laughs> whatever, you know, it's 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 so vague. So basically they just they just wanted to check on the name and uh and because cause all the names that we use usually are pretty much a uh, word, uh, word play, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, basically that that was uh, that was the start of it all. And uh, on the yeah. first year that we brought that over, and because uh, basically there's a big festival not far from here, that's uh, the, the Festival des Ésavards in Chambly, which is most likely the biggest one over in uh, Quebec. Uh, the guys bring that one on the first year. And it won the the, the best uh, IPA from in the style. So that before it even got launched in bottles, because at first we were in bottles before we switched over to cans, uh, it was uh, it was already winning some uh, some prizes. So that kind of threw the, the the brand way up there in Quebec. So we were kind of the first one that were uh, putting the the, the style on the shelves and uh, being. Making that accessible for most of people, you know.
2: Yeah. What I mean, what's what's the craft beer scene like in Quebec, anyways? I mean, you guys were clearly the first to do this. Are have other breweries started kind of hopping on the bandwagon?
0: Yeah. Well, basically, more and more people are jumping in. Uh, they see what's done on your side, and uh, we got uh, we got plenty of people just following the trends. You know, uh, we started to have some. Uh, is over in Quebec uh, a couple others are doing that we're trying to keep <laughs> to, 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 yeah. doing we're trying to check on the possibility of doing that we're already doing some fruit sour beer here but uh, we'd like to maybe uh, incorporate more fruits in there but uh, anyway we're in the process of testing everything R&D is a, a big part of uh, of the brewery right now but yeah on the beer scene uh, as I said we are pretty running a little behind but uh, we're, we're we're getting way up there with everything that's going on here, that there's more and more brewing going up every day and, uh, they want to get out of the lots. So basically what they do, they just do something different and they, they just look over the fences and they see what you guys are doing. And basically I must say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a beer enthusiast. And I know a couple of breweries over in the U.S. and I've been myself, uh, traveling over for some beer and, uh, yeah, you guys are doing pretty amazing stuff. And, uh, one day we might be able to, to to get to what you guys are doing, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think we're too
2: far from there anyway. <laughs> yeah, Johnny and I were saying on the show yesterday that um, maybe you guys are behind the times, but your whatever fence you're looking over is the right one because it was up there with with the best styles we've had from from the world class breweries in America. Like we have over here in Northern California, which is quite a ways from from your side of the the continent, but. I mean, we've got some really good breweries up and coming. Like New Glory is a brewery in Sacramento that we talk about a lot. Um, there's one called Moxa, and there's all sorts of these little, these small breweries that are uh, really, really perfecting the style. Particularly, yeah, New England IPAs. And we tried tried yours, and it was just like this could this could hang with all of them easily. It's, yeah, yeah.
0: It's well, there's a little bit more on the bitter end of, the, of, the, of the, the spectrum over with the with the beer. It's not that true. This is uh, as as all of the IPAs that might be coming up from the from the style, from the, the, the Northeast IPA. But with the better ends, we'd like it to be more uh, balanced so it's it's less sugary and you can maybe drink a little more than yeah. than just one beer right. before getting bloated or anything. Right, right, right. <laughs>
2: um, you know, I mean, with everything that's been going on with, with COVID-19, has that changed your guys' sort of day-to-day operations or your distribution at all? Or has it all been kind of the same? How has that affected you?
0: Well, as for the group it has been closed now since March. Mm. So basically, we have nothing coming up from that. But we really, really got lucky over on the craft beer industry in Quebec. A lot of people started to buy uh, local product, yeah. and we barely uh, are able to uh, to stand the demand, even with that, uh, even with all the restaurants and bars closed. Uh, we haven't. Saw a big difference in the drop in sales here, so we're, we're pretty hyped on that. Uh, I guess that the name speaks for itself uh, here in Quebec, and uh, yeah. So basically, that's uh, that. That's 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 what got us where we are. I guess uh, people know our product, people like our product, and uh, basically uh, we we saw a really big spike in uh, in, in, <laughs> in the demand. So I, I guess. <laughs> Even, in the, even if times are good
2: or bad, people will drink. <laughs> I mean, it seems in America, I remember reading, I was reading an article, uh, some financial report, and it was, it was saying that at least Americans, their, their alcohol purchasing increased significantly the moment that people started to pay attention to the virus. And yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. People just, I think, like to drink good beer. So they'll do that regardless mm-hmm. of when, uh, whatever's going on
0: yeah yeah of course yeah. And, and the local effect is really really important people wants to to help their neighborhood wants to help uh yeah. a local business and uh it's not, it's not even just the brewery you know if you buy from from let's say you buy from a convenience store well you're helping the convenience store you're helping the brewery you're helping the distribution you're helping everyone you yeah. know it's, it's it's a it's a, a big chain and uh anyway that's that's to my opinion, it's really a really good thing, and uh, maybe that brought up a little light on 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 our consumption. Uh, maybe people just gonna do a different. Uh, they're gonna buy differently uh, from now on, you know, because we re- we really did see uh, a big increase over in the <laughs> in the in the in the orders. So yeah. uh, I, I guess people just light it up. Yeah,
2: it's it's this it's this very consistent thread I've noticed throughout the craft beer community, which is when when times are tough financially or emotionally or whatever, people do tend to come together, especially around their very mm-hmm. very close communities. It's a wonderful part of uh, part of why I enjoy kind of hanging out with people in the beer scene and learning more and meeting new people. Obviously, is always wonderful. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and and we were uh, we we did our part, you know, uh, from the uh, other app uh, initiative over on the All Together Beer. We did we did our version of it, and we got some. Uh, we did some. We, we did raise some money over for the food banks here in uh, Quebec, and uh, yeah, we we did a pretty good thing on that. So people were really really in, impressed on that. <laughs> yeah, we, we worked up a brewery that were uh, that, that, that up in on the train on that, but uh, yeah, the, 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 this is this is amazing. I love the way that the breweries are just love to help their communities and even with the local business and everything. So it's, it's it's amazing.
2: Yeah. Well, Maxime, I appreciate your time. Um, I think that's all the stuff I had about you and the beers anything else that I should know, maybe stuff to look out for in the future that might make it to California. Anything like that?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we do have some other stuff that's, that's going to probably coming up on the, uh, on the next orders. Maybe we have a session on the way, maybe a sour beer that's going to come up, but, uh, Yeah. Basically, that's, that, that's it for now. We, we we do have some more specialized uh, beer, but it's it's kind of a little tricky to get that over to the borders. But uh, yeah, if you ever go around uh, near Montreal and Quebec, just uh, <laughs> give us a Oh, uh, We'll and, stop
2: uh, in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be able to take care of you. Well,
2: sounds great, man. Thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, It's amazing. Thank you, man. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye.
2: Want to say thanks again to Maxime Plant for doing that interview. It was great, Johnny. Let's move on into hot and bothered. If you haven't heard the show before, it's where we talk about what's got us hot and or bothered this week. Uh, let's go with let's go with bothered first. Anything got you bothered this week?
1: Uh,
3: no more than the usual. Probably the thing I'm most bothered about. Um, friend i know from work is dealing with some cancer so that sucks
2: don't say dealing Uh, with some he has cancers he or she has cancer
3: she yeah she has cancer and she's going to be taking some time off work so she's a barista at one of my favorite accounts Uh, i don't want to get too deep into it but it's a big bummer so i've been kind of found that out the other day and that's that's a real bummer and then just dealing with life as we know it in the midst of a pandemic and everyone just doing what they're doing so uh, I feel like bothered could really spiral out of control in the year 2020 on this podcast. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Not, not too much, but just, just enough, just a little, just, just a little bothered. So Max, that's it for me. Uh, I don't want to be too bothered cause I'll just start crying at a ball in the corner and I'm, yeah. that's later in the night. I have sure. a couple more beers to go before I get there. So that's after. got you? An, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anything got you bothered or are you just all hot this week? What do you no,
2: think? Yeah. I don't really have much to complain about. I suppose I, um, it was sort of a long weekend. If you've been following the show for at least a few weeks here, I've been sort of changing some lifestyle habits, which basically involves trying to be more present in my own life most of the time and like not being on my phone as much and eating a little better, drinking a little less during the week and exercising sometimes and reading books and all sorts of stuff. The, the, the sort of, if you're a believer in science, you know that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And in the scope of drinking, what that means is on the weekends, it's like, it's go time. I guess I'm just drinking a lot. So I had a, you know, kind of a rough day on, uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, but that was it. It was, that was, that was self-imposed, um, or self-inflicted I think is better. Just a terrible hangover. One of those situations, you know, like went to bed at 5am the night before kind of thing. Yep. Like was playing piano at three in the morning and then kept drinking and then was like crying about songs like that. You ever get that level where you're just like, sad songs are hitting the right way right now so i'm just gonna sing them and see what happens Uh, i was there friday night at 3 a.m cool you get me yep everybody else is like no that's not healthy what do you guys no you guys (laughs) you guys have fucking problems (laughs) bud oh shoot anyway so that's my only bothered but again like and not even the crying stuff that's i think healthy to get that out it was just the hangover part so what's got you hot uh let's
3: see there's so much first of all thank you for my birthday presents you're welcome that has got me very hot i was having a terrible day yesterday yeah uh and just go 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 like i didn't get home it was like one of those like 7 a.m to like 8 p.m days where Mm. i was just busier and shit and has i just needed a win and you you were a win for me yesterday and uh Sometimes the people in your life are there at the right time, at the right moment, when you really need a pick-me-up, even if it's just a friendly face. And you came bearing gifts, which were so much more than I expected, and I just got to say, you definitely are at the top of my hot list this week because you went way above and beyond for my birthday, and I appreciate you.
2: Well, thanks, man. That's sweet. Yeah, of course. I got you. That was ridiculous.
3: You're you're a ridiculous human. You you officially went like full Leslie. Nope on my birthday. And I just yeah made, made me a t-shirt with little pictures <laughs> of all of my favorite movies
2: from last year. Yeah, with our logo in the middle because you don't want to waste a marketing opportunity. But you know, right? Exactly. And it fits you great. You look great in it. Thanks. I'm very excited.
3: If I was wearing a shirt, I'd be wearing it right now.
2: Actually, wow. Ooh, wow, it's getting hot. steamy.
3: Hot and Bother just got saucy.
2: I actually had a couple people, literally a couple, two people reached out to me um, after I posted a picture of me wearing, because I got excited and I made myself one as well with my favorite movies, but people reached out and were like, can I get one of those? (laughs) Like, I'm going to send you my favorite movies. You want to make me one? And I wanted to be like, yeah, but our logo is going to be right in the middle. Is that cool? Do you want to be a walking billboard for me? That'd be great. Exactly. And you also have to pay for it. I was like, yeah, give me those. Give me your list and give me your dollars and we'll call it good.
3: Yeah. 100%. 100%. Oh, also
2: shout out to uh, Silk Shop screen printing here in town. Good job.
3: Nice. That's who did it. Good work. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate those guys. Uh, So, yeah, that was a major hot. And as far as like over the weekend goes, uh, had a going away party for a buddy from work. He actually started the fire academy uh, this Monday morning. So super stoked. Sad to see him go, but stoked that he's going to go be a, a firefighter and be all badass and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, That was a fun, fun day. We had a little going away party for him, but that was a day full of mixed emotions. Sure. Um, And on a much more vain and uh, ridiculous note, uh, I, as you know, I am a baseball fan, and I I get sling, like the cable without cable type situation on Uh your smart TV. Uh, I always subscribe to that during baseball season so I can watch broadcast games of baseball. Okay. And... With great opportunity comes great HGTV.
2: HGTV?
3: So, yeah, home oh, and garden cool. television. Yeah. Uh, it is so fun. And if you ever watch the show Love It or List It. No, but I was curious if that was a show when you put it in the notes. What is it? It is a show. So what happens is they take uh, homeowners. Usually it's almost always a married couple. Sometimes they have kids. Sometimes they don't. It's mm-hmm. at various situations. And there's a British lady. And there's, uh, like, a, another guy. He's, like, a real estate agent. So, basically, they're unhappy with their living situation. Their house is just not suiting their needs anymore. They've outgrown it. Yeah. There's things they don't like about it. It's time to move. So, what the show is about is the British lady says, all right, what's your budget? Um, I'm going to remodel your existing house mm-hmm. and try and give they, – they make a list of, like, all the things they want in a new house and then they make a list of all the things they want in a house that they would buy. Yeah. So the the British lady and the real estate agent both get a list of like their must haves, and the British lady tries to make their house work, and the the real estate agent tries to find a house that is beyond their wildest dreams, that is absolutely perfect and like below their budget. Mm-hmm. And so the whole point of the show is, at the end of the show, they either love it or they list it, which means they're either going to love the house they have that's been remodeled, or they're going to sell it and buy one of the houses that the real estate agent guy showed them. Mm-hmm. It's like crack. It's like yeah. eating fistfuls of Cheetos, dude. It yeah. is so entertaining because like, it satisfies this need to just be viciously malicious towards strangers for me. Okay. Because like th- some of these people are just Are ridiculous in their requests
2: and their budget sure you know does the show kind of indulge that or is it is it is it like condescending toward them
3: um it's funny because like to to their face they kind of indulge it but then like there's like a narrator when they're (laughs) when they're they're gymming the camera the real estate agents like this guy doesn't know what planet he's on oh really stuff like that. oh yeah it's great because they talk to the camera like they had both the the people on the show they all talk to the camera and like give you updates on where they're at like in the middle of it so right. it's it's really good it's so addictive i think i probably watched 4 or 5 hours of love it or listed on sunday nice man it's really entertaining and also like as someone that wants to buy a house within the next year or two it's like it's fun yeah you're like oh yeah i would like that in a house oh i didn't know they made houses like that that's cool so yeah right it's it's a lot of really ideas fun. And I think the most inspiration comes from the the British lady who uh, is doing the remodeling because mm-hmm. she's making these really unusable wonky spaces that are just impractical yeah like like she reformats things in ways that you would never even think of and unlocks potential in a way that's like super inspirational like I've gotten yeah. so many good ideas from her and just decorating too so nice dude it's a it's a really fun show Shalina got me hooked on it and I'm just like I sat down to watch one episode and I'm mm. like I can't I can't
2: move. Yeah, I'm that's trapped. great. I love those moments.
3: Yeah. So that's that's for me, man. I got to stop there cuz I could go on about all the ridiculous things I do and watch, but Sure. that's like a different podcast that doesn't exist yet. So <laughs> okay. what what have you
2: been watching? Anything interesting? Yeah, so I revisited a movie that I watched a uh, maybe maybe 2 years ago. Not when it came out, but it's a film called Logan Lucky that came out in 2017 by a uh, Steven Soderbergh. Um, if you don't know Soderbergh's films off the top of your head, by the way, um, I watched another one within the past couple months called contagion, which is about a pandemic, but he also did oceans 11, 12 and 13. Um, he did one that we, that we did on the show that I didn't see actually. It was, it was called unsane. Do you remember the movie? Uh, yes. Uh, so he directed that he did, he did magic Mike, the first one, not the second one. The second one sucks. Um, but he's, he's sort of this reliable filmmaker that is, I think at his best when he's making sort of kind of lighthearted heist movies. And Mm -hmm. I didn't remember Logan lucky. If you haven't seen it, it's about these two brothers played by Channing Tatum and Adam driver. And their family has had sort of a long history of bad luck. And they decide that, you know what, they're going to, they're going to get what's basically owed to them. And they're going to stage a heist at the Charlotte motor speedway during the famous Coca-Cola 600 race. And they're going to kind of rig the system and steal all the money And try to get away with it. And it's, it's those two. And it also stars, uh, Riley co I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But Daniel Craig, Katie Holmes, Catherine Waterston, Seth MacFarlane's in it. Dwight Yoakam, Sebastian Stan shows up as a race car driver. It's this really awesome cast and it's a very fun movie. And I just didn't remember liking it as much as I did the other day. It's just super fun. It's, it's, I feel like Soderbergh makes movies that are like, you know, when you watch a heist movie, And at the end, it's like, I didn't see that coming Yeah, with his. You're like, I saw that coming. And I'm so like, it wasn't heady enough to like to distract me from the fun that I was having. I was like, this is Mm, a nice, fun movie. There's a lot of laugh out loud moments. This is basically the only other movie besides Knives Out that Daniel Craig has done since like since he started doing James Bond stuff. And you Mm -hmm. have that same vibe that you have in Knives Out where he's like just having a good time, not being so serious. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of Adam Driver and, and Channing Tatum is great in this too. Everybody's yeah. very good in this. I really liked Logan Lucky. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's a very, yep. it's a very good movie.
3: I think that's one that like, if it somehow fell through the cracks uh, and you're in the mood for like, totally kind of, kind of a, a redneck caper film Yeah, of like, you know, this whole plot was schemed up in a prison cell, like. Yeah that kind of movie. But it's also like like
2: when you if people again if people haven't this is for people that haven't seen it, it's not a redneck movie like um Dukes of Hazard. Like it's not it knows that its characters are rednecks and even the actors playing the characters are aware at how absurd their characters are. It's not like um you know, it's not like the fucking South is the best. It's like we're all kind of goofy, so let's play it up. Yeah. They lean into
3: it. It's the best. It's so good. (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah like adam i'm just looking at some of the stills from this movie and just yeah adam driver and channing tatum's chemistry with each other was just great dude
2: they're both in my opinion some of the funniest underrated actors working today yeah i think channing tatum's really underrated same and i think adam driver sort of gets the rap as uh kylo ren from star wars And it's like he's done so many other things and where he his comedic timing is so good. Like his his not cameo, but sort of his other character, his character in Inside Lewin Davis is one of the funniest parts of that movie. He's so good. They're they're both so good. And Daniel Craig is great. Uh, This movie's very, very it's a great watch. Nice. Oh, also Hillary Swanks in it as an FBI agent. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. Just like I think the first time I've seen her stacked cast. Yeah. Since uh uh was it hunt that we did this year yeah ugh, what a, that was a bummer of a movie i didn't hate it i didn't hate it but it was a bummer <laughs> like i don't know maybe i'm just saying that because i'm talking about logan lucky and I was like that's a great movie it was like the hunt okay yeah you didn't no, like I it mean, though it, i didn't love it i don't think you even liked it man
3: i think i liked it
2: did you for
3: like being a terrible movie okay fair enough yeah
2: i get that yeah. I feel that vibe. My only other thing this week is that I accidentally stumbled upon a new podcast called the, uh, called an oral history of the office. Oh, no, no. It's a podcast hosted by Brian Baumgartner who played Kevin Malone on the office. And he is basically exhuming the show and all of the people from it and getting interviews about how the show was started. There's interviews with, uh, Ricky Gervais, um, and, uh, what's the dude's name who was also a co-creator of the British office. I always know his name, Stephen Merchant. And so there's mm-hmm. interviews with them. I've only heard uh, one episode at this point. It's really great. But moving forward, there's interviews with Steve Carell and Jim, uh, Jim Halpert, John Krasinski. That's fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and like basically all of the main cast, it's like saying, it's like saying Harry Potter instead of Dana Radcliffe. Um, and it seems really great. There's a lot of, uh, cause they, they play like coming up on this season of whatever and there's like little snippets and it sounds like it gets kind of emotional and very heartfelt and if you're a fan of the office i highly recommend checking it out an oral history of the office the first episode is available on apple Podcasts. if you want to hear the rest you have to go over to spotify it was a slick well, marketing that, sounds, move. that sounds great yeah i really recommend checking it out it was it was a lovely thing to do the dishes to and just kind of reminisce nice i'm gonna have to check that out at yeah. least the first
3: episode i think i have sp- but is you don't have to have Spotify Premium to listen to podcasts, do you? I don't want this
2: to sound snooty, but I've had it for so long I don't remember.
3: There's no way that couldn't sound snooty.
2: I know. <laughs> I actually think you do, though. Really? At least back in the day of like four or five years ago, if you didn't have Premium, you basically could throw on radio. It was basically I'm it was pre- like a green Pandora. You can still do that. Yeah, well, of course, because you're paying for it, you better get that service. But I think
3: no, 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 you can still use Spotify for free.
2: Yeah, but you can't pick what you listen to, can you? You can pick, like, a station. Yeah, so you're not going to get a whole podcast in order. Oh, no, I think you can still get podcasts. I
3: think that, because I remember uh, the only reason I know anything about Spotify podcasts is because Joe Rogan just signed a deal with them.
2: I think your answer should have been that we are on it, and I spent a lot of time trying to get us on Spotify, and that's how you know something about it.
3: Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) Well, we're on Spotify. We should know if people can listen to it there for
2: free oh that's true i don't know if it's for free on spotify yeah that's a good point we should know that bad podcast hosts not my department it's not yours either we don't have anybody for that department so is our
3: social media manager's problem we need to talk to our fucking management yeah get them in here yeah susan <laughs> susan
2: yeah what a name susan
3: susan's the name of my instant pot you named your instant pot our... you're goddamn right i named my instant pot all right have you seen my instant pot it, i assume it looks like mine you assume incorrectly, bro. I have a limited edition Pioneer Woman teal and flower print Instant Pot. That's his name is Susan. Yeah, yeah. That's cool.
2: Yeah. I'm into that. It's food for Susans. You, 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 is that a reference to Magic for Susans? Yeah. You're yeah. damn right that's it exactly is. That's exactly what I thought of. I was like, what a name, because it makes me think of that. I'm like, that's so funny. I
3: love that you got that. Because- I, yeah.
2: I didn't know you watched that show. I
3: loved Magic for Susan's. So the show
2: itself is Magic for Humans. It's on Netflix. Check it out. We both like it apparently.
3: All right. Apparently that's in both of our (laughs) our hots this week too. Yeah. Deal. Surprise. Uh, So, anyways, anything uh, else? I think I think you can listen to podcasts on Spotify. I'm gonna find that out. I'll report back next week.
2: All right. Deal. Um, Let's, if you're cool with it, my friend, maybe start talking some spoilers about Relic. Yep. All right, we will now enter the danger zone. Danger,
1: danger zone, zone, danger zone, danger zone, danger zone. Ah. danger zone,
2: Welcome to the danger zone. This is once again, final warning, the part of the show where we talk about the movie, like everybody listening has seen it and we're all just kind of hashing out our thoughts deep or otherwise. So, um, do you want to run plot stuff or do you just want to start talking about particular points? Uh, let's just talk about it, man. We don't
3: need to run through the whole plot. Okay. It's like we all just saw it, bro. Yeah, it was shit it was crazy. It, they had she had
2: tearaway skin. She's the great grandpa Dude. reincarnated. Is that was, is it, that it, how it. you took that? Yeah, hundred percent. When you say reincarnated, you don't mean literally,
3: but like like haunted. Like I don't yeah, know, like sure. became her. Like abs- like he haunted her, the grandma, and then like yeah, wore her skin like an Edgar suit.
2: Uh, what's an Edgar suit? It's from Men in Black. I don't remember that. I would have. I would have settled for like a Silence of the Lambs situation. His skin was hanging off his bum. Or even, and this is it's sort like of. A, he was wearing an eggerson. This is a deep cut, but um, isn't there? This is so stupid. You actually probably don't know. I was thinking Diablo three, but it's something else. Dragon Age. Dragon Age two. Did you ever play it? Mm, briefly. I shit. Think. There's like a side quest. <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> There's a side quest where you have to figure out like who's kidnapping all these women in this village, okay. and it's apparently one dude who's like trying to reassemble his dead wife and he's like chopping women up and putting them together so he can reincarnate her. So okay. if we had a producer, by the way, they would just not even think twice, be like we're cutting that out.
1: That's yeah, no,
0: no, no. <laughs>
2: um, okay. So what I was going to say before I distracted myself is that on your point of like reincarnation and haunting and whatever, I find it very helpful for myself to start with sort of a broad theme. And I think the one that you're getting at that I wrote down in my notes is like, um, like family legacy, which I feel like has a really optimistic vibe, but I don't mean it optimistically. I mean, in this case, like the legacy or perhaps, um, I don't know, family history of mental illness. hmm. Cause ba- like if you're one of the people listening that didn't see the movie, it's basically ends up being this big allegory for, uh, dementia, let's say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm right there with you. Like they clearly like grandpa had or great grandpa had some issues probably struggling with with dementia and then that was passed down to to grandma to Edna and there's even kind of nuggets thrown in where like K is going to be dealing with that at some point mhm which is why that final scene really destroyed me or part of it yeah. is a really well constructed scene i think
3: yeah it was so compelling i've
2: never watched a movie where you're trying to escape from a haunted house and then one of the characters out of out of love and obligation turns back around and says, I can't, I can't leave. I can't, not even, I can't leave. I can't leave her. Yeah. And then goes, and we finally like, it's almost like by accepting that that's grandma's situation. Grandma was allowed to be like, okay, I don't need to try to hold on to this sort of facade that I'm okay. I'm I'm going to let it all strip away and you can just hold me.
3: Yeah. It was like a literal laying to rest.
2: Yeah. I mean, Gianna, she was, I was watching this, um, on the TV but with headphones. Cause she was, I think, uh, watching a show on her iPad or something. And she walked away for like 10 minutes to go into our room. And I was like clenching my chair out of fear. And then she mm-hmm. came back and I was literally, there were tears falling from my face, like onto my, onto my legs. And that's how she saw him. Cause my head was like down. I was like, I don't know why I'm crying. So I'm just not going to show you right now. <laughs> and she's like, are yeah. you crying? And I was like, yeah, I guess I am. Like it caught you off guard. Yeah. And that's horror. That's like what you want. You want to be, you want to be surprised. Sometimes. Oh, it was, scared, yeah. But it was... also caught off guard. It was, man, it got me. Yeah. And honestly, it was like the most scared I've been for a movie in a long time. Yeah. It was so fucking scary. It was so scary. And again, like the skin thing, when it's first starting, when she's in the bath and she's like stabbing herself with the scissors and like pulling mm-hmm. her skin away from her bones. What like it was so viscerally disgusting, yeah. It really bothered me. Something about that is just—it's just so off-putting. mm Hmm. Um. I'm it looking, was yeah.
3: Yeah. Is the the flaky the the color of the like ick that that was like inside of I her too? That was like getting out it like black it was just mold. Just, like, yeah, it looked like your chest had black mold and your skin just started falling off. Yeah,
2: I really love the idea that. Cause it, they do a really good job of hiding sort of the ulterior motives of the filmmaker, which is like to make a, a comparison to dementia. They do a good mm-hmm. job hiding that I'd say for the first half of the movie. And then there's some nuggets that are a little bit easier to latch onto. And by the the third act and certainly the climax of the movie, you're mostly aware of what's going, or at least I was, I keyed into it. Um, which knowing that, and I think like one of the, one of the, Things that they, they start talking about sort of the idea of growing old early on. I think Sam, the character, Sam says like, you know, kind of makes sense with parents. Like they, they change your diapers, then you change theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's this idea that like, despite everything that your parents or grandparents or whatever family members put you through in the end, you still kind of owe them. You, at the very least you owe them the respect of, of not considering them monsters at the end of their lives. Mm hmm. And that's that's it's like this through line that I, I'm excited to watch this movie again because I think it's gonna become so much more clear all of the stuff that we are literally running from is just stuff that we're afraid of for ourselves a lot of the time and yeah. it, it's stuff that we're we're just more willing to, to like brand these people as monsters instead of like no these are people that have been there for us for decades and now it's getting tough so we're like yeah stick them in a home
3: yeah uh, exactly it's hard stuff man yeah the, the fear of, you know, our own mortality. Totally. Yeah. 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 This movie was absolutely wild and filled with like so much metaphor, but it really didn't beat you over the head with it. Like one thing I loved about this movie that I will say while I can think of it is the 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 narration of it or lack thereof. Mm. It was, um, the plot was illustrated in a very subtle, uh, hands-off yet effective way for me. Mm-hmm. I really liked the way it just kind of played out. Like like I said earlier, like it was just kind of happening to you. It wasn't like we're really watching it. You were just observing. It was, I don't know. I really liked that about this. What did you think about like the way they handled the plot and its progression? And would you want more narration or would, was it good the way it was?
2: No. Yeah. The thing about, especially dementia is like leaving us in the dark is a, a very effective horror technique, but B a very effective commentary on what it's like to have dementia. Like this this old woman literally thought that there were probably ghosts and stuff going on and she cuz she's just so distracted and paranoid and her mind is deteriorating. So it's it's it was very effective for me. I'm I'm so glad they left it the way that they did. Some of the Good. stuff that that didn't work as well is like I don't know. I I haven't really sussed this out totally, but like there's a particular scene and I'm sure there's a few but like Sam will be walking, and there's, like, a like a shadow or a ghost that kind of, like, crosses the screen behind her. And, and then, like, there's one scene where Kay looks under the bed, and there's, like, a body breathing there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, like, I'm not totally clear on what that's about. Um, because, on one hand, if we are experiencing dementia through the mind of the grandmother, then I don't really understand why we would be seeing those symptoms when the grandmother's not around. Mm-hmm. But... To say that dementia does not take a toll on the people uh, who experience it would be not correct either. So maybe that's it. I just I, I and then there was like the thing with the neighbor Jamie, um, the the boy with Down syndrome, which also I don't know super lent itself to any larger picture that I've thought of yet. Yeah, not really. Other
3: than just uh, to showcase that Edna was isolating herself.
2: Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm actually like I took I think three pages of notes on this. Um so I'm just looking at them for the first time in about a week and I'm trying to make sense of something that probably made more sense when I wrote it down. But mm-hmm. you know.
3: Yeah, but I, I, I think front to back it was it was tremendous. I liked the way it ended. I liked everything. I like the through line of the the haunted window, you know, like maybe the window had something yeah. to do with her grandfather or great grandfather's or yeah, their grandfathers. Her, yeah.
2: This, yeah. is, this is the problem with talking about these characters. I think you have to use names. Whose yeah. uh, grandfather?
3: Yeah. the Kay's grandfather. Yeah. Edna's father. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he had, like, they allude that, you know, he had some mental issues and died mm-hmm. alone and maybe wasn't taken care of as the best. Like, even early on, you're seeing this empathy for people with dementia and mental health from Kay. Yeah, it's kind of an indicator of what's happening. But uh, there's this through line of this window that we see a few people in this movie through at one point. Yeah. Um, and then that window is, in fact, the front window of Edna's house, this whole house that's haunted. So, like... Right. Do you remember you, know, is do this... you
2: remember uh, Mother, the movie Mother, yes. Darren Aronofsky? Um, I think that's the reason that I m- latched onto this idea, but my idea was that, like, the house is just sort of a, an external um, explanation of what's happening internally. So the mm-hmm. idea that if, if the great-grandfather did have some underlying mental illnesses, which it seems like he definitely did... The idea that they would take that stained glass window, the, the most, um, flashy and obvious and for us memorable part of the house and move it now to this house, almost like a mental illness skip or not skipping a generation, but moving down to the next generation. That makes sense. Yeah. And it catches your eyes. So that for me, it's like, well, that's the easiest way to, to make that metaphor connect. And I'd be fine with that explanation if that's was, the, was the truth. Yeah.
3: I mean, it makes sense. Cause it was a through note. It was something that followed them around like yeah, a yeah.
2: mental illness. Um, can I just say there's a moment where Kay starts playing the piano and she's yeah. playing Fur Elise, which is like, whatever. It's a recognizable piano piece, I guess. Like everybody's like, I've heard that before, but, but then mm-hmm. the fact that like the music is actually, like I've never seen except maybe in piano lessons, like the actual music for Fur Elise. like nobody has that sitting out. Like it's their favorite jam because everybody Mm -hmm. has to play that when they're learning piano and nobody likes that song. Mm. And I think that was the most unrealistic part of this movie. I think it's bullshit. (laughs) Well, not
3: everyone's a musician and I would need to- But
2: she was clearly a musician. Yeah, but she sucked and she gave up when she was a kid. Maybe that was her her lesson book from when she was a kid. That was her It all makes
3: sense, yeah. Yeah, who knows?
2: (laughs) Maybe she's got early onset dementia
3: and she can't get it right. Who knows, man?
2: Yeah, but like so then they're all laying in the bed at the end, right? And and grandma's yeah. now basically just not even skin and bones, I guess, just kind of bones or whatever. She's just a, a hollow, uh, you know, shadow of what she used to be is a nice way of putting it, I think. Cause she's dark and it's like a shadow. But then you see that it's also starting to happen to Kay, and her daughter sees that, which is such a nice and heartbreaking touch.
3: Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. That last scene. Yeah, when they all three lay in the bed together, it was yeah. just what an end. Like what a poignant punctuation on the end of a movie. Yeah. Great. Unbelievable. It's great.
2: Yeah. You got anything else? I think we should leave it there, man. Deal. Okay, again, that's Relic. You can rent it for 6-7 bucks. We would really want to know what you think. you guys, especially um with this movie this week and especially with these beers. I know we say it every week, but it's it's lovely to hear what people are drinking and watching and Just if you ever want to reach out and you want somebody to read your thoughts and talk to you, that's us. Just keep it about beer and movies, please. Nah. Or don't, I don't care. (laughs) Adjacent. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, well, my name's Max Minardi. The show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. That's Johnny Summers. Johnny, do we have anything that we can tease people with for next week?
3: Ooh, we haven't discussed what movie. So maybe if you're listening to this and there's something that we haven't covered that's new that you'd recommend, we could consider it maybe that maybe get involved and help us figure out what we're going to watch next week. Cause I don't, I don't have
2: anything. Do you have any ideas of what we're going to watch next week? No, I'm super open to suggestions for sure. I also wanted to give a quick, uh, one more shout out in case, uh, cause this will come out tomorrow. So, um, Patreon family members, friends, whatever you want to call yourselves, uh, keep your eyes open, especially if you don't live in Chico on your mailboxes in the next couple of days, you'll be getting a special treat from us. Uh, and I think it's going to be very fun. I think we should watch
3: First Cow next week.
2: I'm, you know I'm down for First Cow. I've
3: been wanting to watch that for like a few months. Same. So. Uh, you want to go to First Cow? We're watching First Cow next week.
2: Uh, okay. Well, we got to watch it. It's available to rent. I think it might be on Amazon Prime if you have the subscription, but I think it's only rentable. All um, right. I'm checking Voodoo right now. Okay. While you are checking Voodoo, I will tell people because because First Cow is one of those movies. It's made by a, a relatively unknown filmmaker, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it might be that person's first movie, but I'm just looking it up so I don't get this wrong. Oh, yeah, it's Kelly Reichert. That's right. Um, you can rent
3: it on Voodoo for five bucks. Oh, pfft,
2: yeah. I, I've never heard anybody be like, first cow sucks. It's not worth it. Um, But basically, the, the uh, IMDb synopsis is, a skilled cook has traveled west and joined a group of fur trappers in Oregon, though he only finds true connection with a Chinese immigrant also seeking his fortune. Soon the two collaborate on a successful business, which is actually great because i don't i know more about this movie than that and i think i would rather have known what i just read you okay because
3: that's yeah that's kind of all i know and i know a little bit about the whole the why what why it's called the first cow okay great
2: yeah it's 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 two hours long it's pg-13 if that matters to you um i am so stoked for this yeah i'm I'm, that's a great call man good good choice thank you
3: so first cow next week um i wish we could do milk stouts but unfortunately that's not in the cards for me (laughs) But we'll try and find some
2: other fun cow-related beers. <laughs> had some beer made with steak. You want to get that yeah. that uh, that turf or whatever? Oh god, no! I that's heard so that's disgusting. so bad. Of course, it's bad. It's made with a flank steak and like yeah, it's I made don't know. with beef. Yeah, it's gross. It's gross. Cut it out, craft beer world. It's too much. Yeah,
3: we'll we'll find something. We'll find some cow some cow-related beer that's not lactose. Yeah. I'm on it. I'm Damn. on the hunt.
2: All right, till next week, everybody. Thanks so much for supporting us and listening. We appreciate you. Bye.
1: We hope you enjoy what I'm And... This is Fresh Hot Cinema.